Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. You're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Adapia Dorico. Adapia Dorico is an investor, entrepreneur, advisor, and author who embodies vulnerability, resilience, and enlightened leadership. As her career took her from um, Silicon Valley and a few countries in between, she never stopped seeking her highest potential and her higher self. Adapia is a powerful keynote speaker who is tapped for her expertise in entrepreneurship, real estate investing, and authentic leadership. She believes that wealth in the right hands changes the world and that taking wealth creation into your hands changes your life. In her book, Productive Intuition, Connecting to the Subtle, she shares practical ways of accessing the wisdom of the body, heart, emotions, mind, and spirit to bring your whole self into alignment with your dreams and dharma, especially in work and business. Welcome to the podcast, Adapia. Hi, Kimberly. Thanks so much for having me. Hi. So just so people can get to know you, um, tell us your story. You know, you started one place and you ended up in countries and different places and uh, business and mind, body and so tell us your story so we can know you. Sure. Um, well, let's see. How do I, how do I start? Um, you know, it, it's, it's like, I feel like everything is a spiral but to me. That is like, that's really, it's not a circle because that would mean it's enclosed and you go round and round and round. Like it's a spiral and I've come back around to certain things. So like, so I've always been really ambitious since I was, since I was like a little kid and it was instilled in me, especially from my mom, like working and like being a woman who could have her own independence and future through work. And, you know, as I grew up, I understand that it wasn't just the work part that gave me the independence. It was the money that came with the work, which is just the system that we live in. This is how it is. And I became really fascinated, really interested, um, with investing. And I ended up going into banking when I was 18. So I really understood at that point that financial independence would basically allow me to have every other kind of independence that that I wanted. And even though I started my career there, um, that's that spiral where I went abroad and I studied abroad and I lived abroad and I did a whole bunch of other things because I couldn't stay on my linear banking path in Canada, where I was originally from. And I ended up in entrepreneurship with my sister. And then when I moved to Los Angeles in 2012, I joined a startup. I joined a startup because at that point I was very involved in entrepreneurship and that startup was a real estate crowdfunding startup. And that's when all of my financial background came back around because the crowdfunding and real estate is about investing. And then, and then ever since then I've been in the real estate investment space and the FinTech space generally. So today I'm, um, I work in private equity and real estate. I'm, um, I'm also a partner in a Bitcoin hedge fund and I'm a venture investor and an advisor. So I got back around to all my investing stuff that I didn't think I would get back around to when I went into entrepreneurship. And along the way, I 
had a lot to learn about myself. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get to, to talk about this too. And, and you know, this about me is that I've had a couple very big, um, very big spiritual awakenings and a lot of my story and my journey is also about integrating that and not making them two separate things. Like, Oh, I'm a business person that can't be spiritual or I can only be spiritual and business money wealth is bad. Like my experience has been that I have to integrate everything and be whole and complete because my, my, my knowledge of self, my spirit is what allows me to show up in the world and be successful because it comes from a place of intention and meaning. And I have a totally different impact than I ever did before when I thought the two things were separate. Yeah. And that's a beautiful distinction to make. So I was thinking about, as I was going through your spiral in my mind, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when you worked at the bank, which is very, you know, traditional, lots of regulations, things like that. But then you move from that and you went traveling Mm -hmm. and visiting different countries. How do you think that impacted you in the way you make decisions now that piece where you were actually traveling and learning new things? It was so fundamental to me um, because I didn't really know anything until I left my country and I could experience my country, which was Canada, but also in a way America is really understand somebody else's perspective of this culture. And I always, here's the thing. I thought I was open-minded until I moved there and I realized like, I'm not open-minded at all. I have all these preconceived notions about this, the, this life here and people. And then, but then they also had the same thing about America. So it was a, it was one of the most important experiences of my life was to gain the perspective of other people's perspectives and really learn how vast this world really is and how much, how, how different it is than what we think it is when we're always in our lane. Mm -hmm. So as part of your work, are you doing any negotiation or just times where you have to sit and you have to kind of hash things out with people? Uh, no, actually in my role, I, uh, I get to work with my investors, so I'm not really negotiating. It's more of an investor relations role, if anything. So it's like more like a, like account management. So it's business development, which really, um, is, is great for me. I love that. I'm, um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid and, and I didn't go that way. And I could still be like, I could still argue and take a position, but it's, it, it, that's not my skill set, not my best skill set. Mm-hmm. But your travels, do you think helped you be able to actually communicate with people and the things that you do day by day? Oh, so much. I mean, I, I did a second degree when I was in Europe and the, um, the thesis that I wrote for, for my degree was about the role of emotional intelligence in intercultural management. Um, and that was back in 2000. So that's when Daniel Goleman first came out with that book, um, with the emotional intelligence book. And I could start to see and understand truly how important emotional intelligence is in intercultural management. Cause in Europe, it's all intercultural. like, it's all intercultural. There's people from different countries constantly like working with each other, even in the same environment. At that point I was in Brussels in Belgium. So 
that was, yeah, it, it was, it's so important. Exactly. So, um, you know, when we go into the workplace and you've been in workplaces where there's a lot more male mm-hmm. energy than female energy, just in the businesses that you've chosen, yeah. how do you use that emotional intelligence in those, in those areas? And how do you, as a woman, be vulnerable? Cause so many women are trying to kind of be like a man, Yeah. <laughs> but how do you be vulnerable and strong? Um, wow. That's such a good, that's such a good question. Cause I really had to learn that vulnerability is, is actually strength. Um, and it's also different today than it was like 20 years ago. I think 20 years ago, it was a lot harder for a woman to be vulnerable or for anyone to be really authentic. I don't think cultures anywhere really allowed that, at least not Western cultures, not the cultures that I've experienced. I mean, work was work no matter where I went and there were rules and not that there's not rules today. It's just a little bit, it's just a little bit different. I think there's a higher level of overall emotional intelligence because we've recognized that we're human and need to be treated as humans and not like work bots. Um, and, and so there's a level that I think comes to down to acceptance and mm-hmm. compassion, uh, and understanding. And I think the challenge is finding that fine line between having that and still having, let's say like the productivity or the results that one wants, um, for a business. So it's always, a, it's always, a, it's not so much of a, of a balance as much as it's like a flow and a harmony because, you know, things, things are constantly changing. So, so to me, the, the emotional intelligence, I think there's, there's more of it. And I also think it's a factor in, the evolution that we've gone through, maybe from more globalization, um, from a lot of global um, crises that we've we've been through, even 9-11 to some degree was global, it affected everybody. And so there's just been a really big shift in, I think, humanity's connection to one another that's that's affected that. Yeah. Now you um, wrote a book that kind of is along that line. So why don't you tell us about your book, what it's about and what we can find in it? Sure. So um, I wrote a book called Productive Intuition and Productive Intuition is the book that I needed when I went through my second big spiritual awakening, because essentially I was uh, at the pinnacle position of my career and I was not succeeding to the degree that I really wanted to succeed. And I started to go through what a lot of people term a, you know, transformational crisis or spiritual emergency. Um, and I remember hearing that terminology and I remember thinking, absolutely not. That is not for me. I am not, it's never going to happen to me. And of course that's exactly what was happening to me. And essentially I just couldn't I just couldn't function anymore. It's like the weirdest thing. If anybody's gone through it where nothing works and your life seems to be falling apart. And yet at the same time, you feel more yourself than ever. So you're exploring, you're releasing. And the more you release, which is chaos outside and inside, the more you're finding your true self. And, but I couldn't talk to anyone about it because who in the business world in my finance, like tech industry, am I going to talk to you about like, Hey, like 
I'm, I don't know what's going on with me. I can't succeed. I'm struggling. I'm basically, I'm burnt out. Basically I was also burnt out. Like there's a lot of things going on. So I went through years of refinding myself, like refinding and really clearing out a lot of things that, that needed to be cleared out of my system, out of my thinking, out of my heart, um, and finding a spiritual strength that is my understanding of it is my nature. It is my nature. And then how I choose to show up is also my nature, but I was missing that, that back piece of, of, of who I really am. So, so it's really, the book is all about what I learned about how much I had suppressed my intuition my whole life in many ways. And then also in how it worked to help me. Um, and in, you know, in short, like it's a book, if you want to understand your full nature and how intuition and how spirit shows up, but it's not a, it's not a spiritual book. It's a real practical, like how it shows up in you, how we're using it every day, like how you can be spiritual and still be a business person and still want an external life. Like you don't have to go meditate and be a monk. It's really about finding your inner authority and holding that space and coming from that place in everything that you do. And it's been my transformational journey and it's got a lot of science because I'm a linear left brain, very, very much that. Um, and, and so I'm not just going to believe I'm not just going to like, you know, believe things that, that people say. I'm like, well, I want to understand how it works. So I did a lot of research and I put a lot of science that allowed me with my brain to, uh, to allow the changes to happen in a way it was like giving a dog a bone, like here, let the brain chew on the science. And then in the meantime, it's really, it, it's actually happening within me, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So I chose to really write it with story, with science, um, and, and, um, from what people have told me, it's really relatable, um, to the experiences that they've been having, but didn't know how to put into words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that you put the science in because so many of these self-help books are so general and, um, hard to really grasp, you know, they're saying all these wonderful things and you should be feeling this. And you're like, I'm not feeling that. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> what are they talking about? But when you actually make it concrete so that your, your conscious mind can look at the science, but then your subconscious mind can keep working on you in that gentle way that it does. That's the best marriage right there. Oh, so well put. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. And when you were talking about, um, you know, when things started to change and you were, things were in chaos and it's almost like things were being pulled away and things were being taken in and Mm -hmm. sorting things out. You felt more like yourself than ever. And I thought it sounds like it's almost putting on different clothes and it would feel weird. You know, like when you put on new shoes, you put something on new and it's like, is this me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was actually, yeah. Cause like, I felt more like myself than ever. And yet so much of who I thought I was, was going away. So it was like that old, like those, the thought of who I was supposed to be. Cause so much of it is just a mental paradigm. It was like those old clothes didn't fit anymore. And, and yet that the new clothes were like, not really clothes. 
it was, it was like a very, it's very hard to articulate sometimes because I've had so many experiences of really coming face to face with who am I? Like even, um, like even last winter, I went through a, like a really crazy health crisis. Like I have Crohn's disease and I had a just very, very severe flare up that, um, took over my whole body and, and I was completely debilitated. So it was like way beyond Crohn's disease. And so I couldn't, I couldn't physically do anything. I couldn't move. Like my husband would have to get me out of bed in the morning sometimes. And I was just in like constant, constant pain. And just, I was a shadow of myself. It was, I've never experienced so much physical pain and discomfort in my life. Um, and yet I was realizing how much I'm not my body, how much I'm not my ability, my physical ability, because I've always been very strong. Mm-hmm. And I came face to face with this idea of, you know, cause I didn't really know what it was at first until it was properly diagnosed. And I thought, well, what if I'm, what if this is going to be my physical state forever? What if I'm going to be this weak and like this basically helpless? Um, and I had to come to terms with that. And going through that was another one of those, um, you know, realizations of I'm not my body. Like, who am I? I'm still here. I'm me. I'm me. And yet physically I'm not me. And it was a really profound experience of, again, who am I really? And, and then how do I choose to be in the world from that place? Yeah. And um, I've heard someone say that who we are is when we take away all the things that are not us. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, think so we're, this, but we're not this, we're this with everything taken away. That's right. We're always here. That was my, that was the biggest thing that I realized is I'm, I'm never not me. I'm never not here. So who is that? That's always here. Um, and I also felt, you know, in the midst of that, which, which was, you know, really crazy, horrible to be in yet. That's not how I felt. I, I felt so supported and so loved and I felt so much love. Um, and I really understood what was important because I just didn't even have the, the, like the life force to think about other, anything other than what really mattered. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's a few things and we all know them already. And like, I've since gotten a lot better, almost miraculously. I like, I had a really big turnaround and, um, and now I'm really busy again. I'm doing all my things and, and, but it's different because I understand the value of, of the things that I'm doing and what really matters. And that is unshakable to me. Um, you know, to me now, even in the midst of, you know, multiple projects or or things that are going on. I was thinking about how, you know, when you had to have your husband take you from your bed to do whatever it is you were doing, eating or whatever, um, is so many strong women or just strong people in general, we don't want to accept help, you know, oh, we can do it. We got it under control. I don't, you know, I'm good. And then when you're put in a place like that, it's like, you know, how, how did that change the way you were accepting help or accepting support? It was, it's probably one of the biggest themes of my life. 
that one right there asking for help or accepting help or being helpless in a way that was like, that was the ultimate, the ultimate, like on the spectrum was being helpless. Um, and because I'm, you know, I'm very alpha, like I take care of the household. I take care of the finances. I cook, I take care of the dogs. Like, and I'm fine doing that. That's that, that, that's who I am. I'm like totally good doing that. I couldn't do anything. And so everything was on him and I felt bad at first. I felt guilty, right? It was a very thing that a lot of us do as women too. We feel really guilty. Like, oh, he's doing all this work. Well, yeah, so was I, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it was like a really interesting, I was like constantly back and forth in my head about it, but I did learn how much, um, how supported I am and what it means to receive help. And that even though I never shy from giving help, and it would never occur to me that I, that I wouldn't give help, but somehow I didn't put myself in the receiving. I don't put myself in the receiving position. Like I was like, why would somebody help me? I thought if this is going to be me, why would, you know, why would my partners in, in the business, like, why would they keep me on? And then, you know, and then I would, would tackle those thoughts. And in reality, I just had to surrender so much. I just really had to surrender and just be in whatever moment that was. And, um, I don't even know if it, it was trust. It wasn't like a mental trust. It was just that I'm, I'm going to deal with it. I'm dealing with it. And the, I could only really, I could only be one day at a time. Like I, I think I was in an altered state because I was so deprived. Like, I mean, I just like, my body was like, uh, I was tiny. Like I just lost so much weight. It was just horrible. So anyway, so it was, it was such a strain. It was such an unusual space to be in, but the help when I came out of it, I realized like that, that, that it's really challenging to ask for help or to ask for what I need. Um, and, and it's still hard, you know, it, it, it still can be hard because it's, it's just how I always have been but I also recognize that it's one of the most important skills that I need to learn because people actually want to help and it's good for them to help too, which is flipping it. It's not about me. I got to take it away from that. It's not about me. It's about them and they actually want to be part of my life. And that comes in the form of participating and, and, and helping me. So it's an interesting, you know, reframe. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we're going through big changes in our lives, the people around us are all affected. So through all this, you know, this challenge and some of the other challenges you've had, what things have you observed that changed in your relationship with your husband that made it closer or further or made you look at each other a different way? Yeah. Um, well, when I was going through that awakening, I thought I was going to lose him because I couldn't language what was happening to me. And I don't want to burden other people with what's going on. And I didn't, and, and I knew he, I knew he couldn't understand. He's so, he's very linear in his thinking and I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the knowledge. That's why I had to do such a deep spiritual dive because I couldn't find answers in my, the knowledge that I, that I had already. And so I, and then I would, and then at some point I realized that we were just growing really, really far apart and he could sense that I was changing, but we never talked about it. 
And at a certain point, I really just had to swallow whether it was pride or fear of like, of, of like, I don't know what's going on. And I, I had to say to him, like, I had to open up, I had to be very vulnerable and say, like, I don't know what's happening. I really don't know what's happening to me, but I know that, that this is like, this is, again, I feel more myself than I've ever felt. And, and, and like, and then we just started slowly talking about it and it brought us a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot to work through because for a partner to be present to someone's awakening and transformation that doesn't have the resources or the knowledge or even the, like nothing, it was really challenging. And we went through a lot of really challenging, um, scenarios where, you know, I, I didn't know if we were going to make it. Um, but we did. And like, every time I thought that we were going to have like the scariest conversations, cause we had some pretty, pretty big ones. We grew closer because we came to an understanding because without the speaking of the thing, you can't get the clarity to at least put it all out there and, and let the chips fall where they may and let each other make a decision on, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to trust and understand. And one of the things he's always said the most to me is I never really knew what you were talking about, but I just let, I just was basically, he was there for me, even though he didn't have any idea what I was talking about, talk about all these weird spiritual things and like what I was understanding and like, um, and, and then he would support me in the way that he could. And then this more physical, which is a, I, in my mind, a different kind of awakening that I went through a physical one and like my understanding of a physical body and what it is, um, that also brought us a lot closer and he was scared. I wasn't scared. I actually knew I was going to be okay, even though I was, uh, you know, I was really in it, but at a deep, deep soul level, like I knew I was going to be okay, no matter what even if I would be debilitated for the rest of my life, I was okay with that. I knew I'd be okay. He didn't, of course, how could he know? Um, and, and so like, after, when I started to get better, we talked about it. I said, was, you know, were you afraid? And he said, yeah, I was really afraid. I was really afraid. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that was, that allowed him to be like vulnerable and, and open. Um, and so the challenges have brought us closer, but, they came, we came closer because we were willing to get into it. Mm -hmm. We're willing to have the conversations. And a lot of times they were not fun. They weren't lovey dovey. Like they're brutal sometimes, but we needed that to, in my, to me, it feels like a clearing to come to an understanding and you just can't do that if you don't talk. Exactly. You have to talk. And the other thing I'm thinking of is a friend said this to me once when I said, Oh, I want to ask so-and-so to do something, but uh, she's not going to want to do it. So I'm not going to ask her. And my friend said, why are you decide? Why are you making the decision for your friend? Why aren't you asking her and giving her the option to right. say yes or no, but we're so afraid of the answer of what we're going to hear back in return. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and I came to understand too, from him, because we were able to have these conversations a lot later that, um, he was afraid not so much with the physical, but before with the whole awakening that he was afraid that, that I was going to leave. He was afraid of losing me, mm-hmm. which I can understand. 
because you can't know what that other person's going through and they change and the people that they hang out with change and they speak differently. And like, you know, like, I can't imagine from, from his perspective. Um, and then it, it expresses in a, in a different way. And so that's why it's so important to just, you got to talk about it. Cause I couldn't, I didn't even know that he thought that I would leave. Cause I'm like, why would I ever leave you? You're my soulmate. But I can't just make that assumption. We got to talk about it. So yeah, it's so important. It's like the simple things that we tend to overlook. We think it's more complicated, but it's actually not. And people do go through seasons and there are couples that one grows a lot faster than the other. And they do kind of outgrow each other and some stay together, although kind of mismatched at that point, but some do leave. So that was a really a valid fear. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. So, and you know, you've gone through this awakening, you've gone through this terrible Crohn's disease is terrible Mm -hmm. physical uh, disease. And your, your husband's been there right there with you, not understanding, but sticking by you, which is beautiful. And through all this, do you feel like he's had his awakening or is, is there something that has changed in him to allow him to stay next to you for you to stay together so that you don't move on to a different season without him. Hmm. He's grown a lot. Yeah. I think that through me or through my process or like it's, we did it together um, that even though I'm far more excited about exploring my psyche and my consciousness and my spirituality, like I, I, it's such an important part of me. Um, And he's not, he he's good. He's like, I'm good. Um, he certainly did grow and he certainly did change and he opened more. And it was because we would talk about it so that he could process it and he could think about it. He might do his own version of research on it. I don't think he's necessarily had an awakening because my sense of him is he's actually way more connected spiritually than he wouldn't call it that but he has, he is so connected to his sense of like, of that self, that inner self. And he know he's there, but he doesn't know it. So he doesn't need all the language and the words and the pomp and circumstance of spirituality. And it's like my path in this life was that I had to go through that because I was not living in alignment to that, that part of me. He's always there. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun. And then I, the, the, when I realized at the moment I realized that I thought, And I told him, I said, Andrew, you're already there. I need to get to where you are because I'm still living according to all these rules and ideas of who I'm supposed to be. You're already there. You're so far over there. Um, So I have to catch up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly his growth and our growth together um, came through the, my experience of the exploration and our, um, our experience of it together. Cause he experiences it too, just from, just from the outside. Uh, so he's, he's grown. Yeah. He's grown a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just how we experience life. I mean, there's different personality types even, you mm-hmm. know, so I'm kind of emotional and I have a friend that's like, if, if he just cracks a little bit of smile on the corners, you know, he's, he's really, 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 really happy. <laughs> and, you know, you know, I'll say something that's very emotional. And he's like, I know you feel that way. <laughs> but 
which <laughs> no reciprocal reaction. Oh yeah, I'm excited to go too, or whatever, you know, there's, it's just how, you know, you react to things in life or how you can process them. And it sounds to me like he had to really think through each thing to process yeah. where it sounds like, but you can tell me if I'm odd or not, that you were the feeling the things, but you were also using that scientific piece to process the things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's highly analytical, very analytical. And I'm, um, I'm very sentient. I feel like I feel everything and I'm extremely sensitive. So emotionally, but also in my body. So I'm very like in the feelings. Um, and I had to find the language and the mental construct, not just the words, because you can say words, but they don't mean anything. I had to find the, um, I had to create constructs for what was going on for the feelings that he would understand. And that was actually the beginning of me understanding it so that I could write about it in a sense, because then, you, you know, like, like you said, there's all kinds of books about all kinds of stuff and they don't make any sense at all. And, and so I'm not going to find my answers there and nor are a lot of people like me who are very like in the reasoning mind. And that's not, that's not, that's not going to work. It takes, sometimes they can take us too far out of the realm of reality in a way, like we, we can't live up here in these ideas. Um, you know, we, we live in a very, like we live on this earth in a grounded place. And so we need, and as humans, I believe we really have to like get in it and be in it, not be up here in our heads, like escaping with these interesting ideas and all this kind of stuff going on. Um, we actually need to function and make things happen for ourselves and for those around us. That's my personal sense of it because I did that for a while too. I went off in all the fancy ideas and the, the language and the poetry and the, you know, um, and, but it's a form of escapism. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that time when you were ill and you realized that you weren't a body, mm -hmm. you could actually be okay with it being in that state, although it wouldn't be desirable, but you would be okay because you're not your body. Mm -hmm. After you actually had that realization, was it then okay for you to reconnect with your body and just be an integrated part? Oh, let me, let me just think about that for a second. Um, I would talk to my body. I would talk to my body. Um, I would literally speak and ask it questions. Like I remember asking how long is this going to be? And the answer was three months. And actually that's exactly how it went. That's exactly how it went. Um, and so I started to relate to my body as an entity, uh, that is me, but not like I, it, I'm not my body. Um, I have to take care of my body. It's I am, and I'm not, it's both. And, um, but I started to relate to it as, as in a relationship with it. And, and so there, and I had to reconnect with it because I've been very disconnected from my body. And, you know, in, in my twenties, I was, um, 
I've had body dysmorphia. I was anorexic. I overexercised. You know, I've been very mean. I've been very unkind to my body. And so I had to come into a better relationship with my body. Um, and that's ongoing because that's like a light uh, that's undoing a lifetime of, you know, of being basically like an abuser, um, in my mind and really this past year has really just been about honoring my body and working with it. And as it's healing and, um, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a different way of being while still being in a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking about there's people who have arthritis or back pain, you know, chronic oh. pain for years and years and years. And they gotten to the point where, you know, they just want their body to disappear. You know, they just, yeah. they just wanted to be gone. They say, they, and they separate themselves, but for a different <laughs> reason than you did, they separate themselves because they can't stand to be in their body yeah. anymore, but their body's just, there trying to tell them something, trying to communicate with them, but you just said very clearly. Yeah. 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 I learned a lot about chronic pain. I actually was a big lesson for me about, um, other people's like debilitating pain, which I never considered because I've always been so strong. And then I realized like, my God, like when I'm intolerant of maybe somebody's slow, because I mean, I know my, like, I, like, I know also like that, that, that side of me that's impatient, that can be intolerant, that can be like, why aren't you moving faster? And, um, and I understand with like, older people, but it never occurred to me until I was in chronic pain that there are people living with this all the time. It was such a, wow, like here, you know, I, I try to be as compassionate as I can and understanding and like a kind person. And that was such a wake up call for me. Like there's, there's other things out there. And so that was another big lesson for me was just a level of understanding and compassion for people who have any kind of chronic pain that's debilitating, that doesn't allow them to function and be Mm able-bodied in a society that, um, is built for able-bodied people. So that was a whole other lesson for me around compassion and understanding of other people. That's true. And the other thing to think about, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you're out and about and you see someone who looks normal. I mean, I know young women who are in their twenties and they look gorgeous. They look like a model, but they, you, what you don't know is they have this rare disease and their whole body hurts all the yeah. time, but you wouldn't know it by just looking at them. Yeah. Yeah. Just that whole judgment. And that's the next question I kind of wanted to ask about judgment forgiveness, you know, whenever people are going through these things, a lot of times they mention forgiveness or they were judging or they were had to, did you go through any of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm always judging myself for sure. And that that's another lifelong one. I think it's probably that for everyone, even though we, even if we don't think we do, but, um, definitely with my body and yeah, forgiveness is a big one. Um, and, and forgiveness like gratitude for me is not like a thought, right? It's like prayer. You can say the words, but that does not, doesn't count, you you know, forgiveness and, and gratitude and even prayer is a felt thing. It's the feeling behind it that actually 
moves things in a certain direction. Um, and so the forgiveness has always been very intellectual for me and, but an embodied forgiveness, like a really felt like genuine is probably the right word there. Um, that's lifelong, you know, that's, that's in a way it's lifelong. And one of my favorite practices is the Ho'oponopono, which is the Hawaiian one, right. Where it's like, you know, thank you. I love you. Um, please forgive me. Um, there's, there's a fourth one. Uh, yeah. And, and, but the forgiveness piece is really the key one out of all of them. For me, it's, it's like, please forgive me. And so I did that on my body for several months where I would just, you know, I would do the whole Ponopono and just like really like feel and be grateful for it. And, and like asking for, for forgiveness, not from a perspective of, I need to be forgiven, but it's an energetic to, to ask for that, um, in taking responsibility mm-hmm. for myself and my thoughts and my actions. Cause that to me, the forgiveness is the responsibility, um, and not, not about blame or exoneration, but just, I take responsibility for that. And that's the, that's a self-accountability. So huge practice ongoing, um, a challenge, uh, challenge, but, um, something that I, I work on a lot. Wonderful. So we've talked a lot about, um, this awakening and everything. We haven't talked much about your business, but at this point, we're getting to that point in the podcast where I like for people to know, um, how they can connect with you, Mm -hmm. um, where to get your book. And if you want to talk about any of the services or other things that you do where they could connect with you, this is the time. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, from a business perspective, like it, you know, I would say people, the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn and you can see what I do professionally. Um, and I'm, I'm always happy to like talk to people about that. And, um, but I think that, that this conversation was really important because as you know, as we, we talked about before, um, it's not what I do, it's who I am, irrespective of what I do this lifelong process that I've been going through. And especially like the, the past five years of, of just this transformation has allowed me to completely alter everything, all my relationships, like my work, et cetera. And that, you know, and the book is such a gift. It was a gift for me. And I hope that, um, and I know already from people who have read it, that it's really changed their lives. And even if it like helps one person, then I think it's just, that it's wonderful. So, um, you know, if anyone wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn and have a conversation and talk, maybe you're going through something similar, you know, um, I'm here for that because I know what it's like to not have anybody to talk to, to relate to, where you're like, oh my God, she's just, just, I'm her, you're me. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of that. So I'm always happy to, to, um, to hold space, um, and, and to be there for people. So just, reach out to me on LinkedIn. All right. So just a personal question. What gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life at this point? Um, my hummingbirds. (laughs) (laughs) So I live, I moved to the mountains outside of LA last year and we are next to the state park and there's all these beautiful oak trees and there's all these beautiful animals. And honestly, these little hummingbirds, they are like, they rule me. 
they come and get me when they want their food. And they just, there's something about nature in general. And these little guys kind of really exemplify that for me right now, where it just gives me so much joy. I just feel so alive. That's a representation of it because really everything about my life is joy. Um, and I just think that their little, their little antics with me, that just, it just, you know, just lights me up. That is delightful. I love that. It's really delightful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for sharing your story so openly and vulnerably. Oh, thanks for having me. It's such a, such a joy. Thank you so much. Yeah. So one last question before we finish. <laughs> What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? Oh, wow. Um, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. You'll be really surprised at like, at the results. I think that would, that would be it. Like really like authentic opening up vulnerability will, will completely change your life, um, for the better. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks.